to pray. Open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll tell you, one of the things that COVID does is it kind of takes your strength out of you. I am determined to preach with everything I have this morning, but I'm telling you, I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel at any point to pray for strength for me, and if you felt that this last week or felt that for Pastor Joni or Pastor Chuck, then that was God. But I am ready to preach the gospel, but I, I so lean on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know without the anointing of the Spirit, it's hard to do anything? You know, one of the testimonies that Jeremy has been sharing with me uh, over this last, I guess, two weeks, really, has just been, he says, it's not me, Pastor. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes, there's nothing like it. And I'm, I don't believe that the anointing is just for preaching. Yes, there is an anointing for preaching. There's an anointing for teaching. But it's more than that. The anointing is for you to live. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is so that we may live a victorious life. We all need the anointing. But that's not what I'm preaching on today. I, I tell you, being cooped up in a house for two weeks, you know, gets, gets a lot of messages for preachers right there. I mean, there's a lot of things. And then I didn't preach the week before that. I don't know if you remember that, but we had a guest speaker. So it's like, I'm ready to go. So I've got multiple messages, but I'll keep it as much to one as I can, Lord willing. I've got a question for you. And before I ask it, first I want to ask all those online, share this. Share this feed right now. I think that this message is going to be something that's going to bless your friends and your family. The message title that I've come up with is called Unceasing. Everybody say unceasing. Unceasing. How many of you like to live by list? Would you give me a hand raise? If you're online and you like to live by a list, then put your hand up. How many of you like to live by list? You like to have you know, a check mark that you can go through, right? Yeah. Some of you like to live by that. I, you just like to kind of go and check mark. I, I struggle with lists, but they're good for me. And if I need to accomplish a lot of things in a day, I got to write down, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Well, there are, there are whole books out there called lists to live by. You ever seen them at the bookstore? Like there are these entire books on lists, different kinds of lists that you can do. Now, when I go to the grocery store, I know that's the number one place I need a list. Because if I don't have a list when I go to the grocery store, I get in trouble, especially at Sam's. When you go to Sam's Warehouse, I mean, that's the worst for me if I don't have a list. Because I'll come home with a bunch of stuff, and it'll be, you know, 20 times of that stuff that I really don't need. So you got to sometimes live by list. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul ends his first letter to the church at Thessalonica with a list of things he wants to encourage them to do. Look at verse 12. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So that's kind of like list one. Be at peace among yourselves. How I many know that's a good list right there? That's a good check mark. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You can almost say that those are all like lumped into one. It's being patient with people 
who are sometimes difficult. Wow, that's an entire message in itself. We have a name for those people, but I'm not going to tell you what they're called. But, but um, uh, okay, I'll go ahead and tell you what they're called. They're called EGR. We call people like this EGR. You know what that means? It means extra grace required. Anybody ever have anybody that's EGR in your life? Or how many, how many <laughs> say, I'm the EGR, right? Sometimes you got to have some extra grace required, and Paul tells us this. And then he goes on and he says kind of as a follow-up to that, but see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Someone posted recently, one of my friends posted recently in the last few weeks with everything going on. They said, so where do I sign up? Do we start at Target or Sears or where do we start? This whole writing thing's new to me, right? And that's a joke. That's a joke. Why, why do we not see the riots and, and many of the things going on today? Because many of the people who are even upset still live by the fear of God right now. I'm not saying all of them do. But I'm saying that many of them do, and, and they're, they're recognizing that we're not going to repay evil for evil. No matter what happens, we're not going to repay evil for evil. Now, we may do some things, and there may be things happening, but we're not going to repay evil for evil. Can I hear an amen to that? I, ne- I think I need to. Then, listen to this one especially, because we're going to come back to it. Verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to come back to that. Number 19, I love. Do not quench the spirit. And verse 20 goes right with that. Do not despise prophecies. Been a lot of despising of prophecies that I've had, even from some pastoral friends. I don't go there. I'm very careful to begin to call people false prophets. Why? Because of that one verse right there. And, and it tells us what to do, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. In other words, when you begin to hear things and someone says, thus says the Lord, or I feel the Lord saying this, you don't immediately despise it because of what it's coming out. No, you test it and you say, God, I put this before you. And then when something good comes out of that, you hold to that which is good. As my mom used to say, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You eat the meat, you spit out the bones. How many of you know, even in prophecy, sometimes human interaction can get mixed in there? That's what happens sometimes. That's not what I'm teaching them, but let's move. Good list. Good list to live by. Oh, this is a great one. Number 22 or verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Abstain, not just from some forms of evil, from every form of evil. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. I added that because I believe that's part of the list. Brothers, pray for us. And then some of our favorite that we'll have to wait till after a few more months, maybe greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Hallelujah. That one may have to wait. (laughs) So 
this is a great list. These are great things. And I believe that that kind of in that verse 23, that if we will live these things, if we will do these things, the peace of God will be ours. Can you imagine if you did these things, how much the peace of God around you and sustain you? I want to focus, as I said, on three in the middle in verse 16, 17 and 18, because they go so well together. I believe that these three things that we can not just do throughout our life, we can begin to do these immediately. Somebody say right now, right now we can begin to do these. And that is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. First of all, I want you to hear this. You know how I like going into the Greek. There's three Greek words here. Well, there's many Greek words here, but three I want to focus on. One is the word for always, pantote. The second one is for without ceasing. And I'm not even going to try and say it. It's a long one. And then in all is pantos, simpler to pantote. These words mean this. First of all, rejoice always. Somebody say rejoice always. Always means always at all times and forever. There are a few things that we're going to do forever. Did you know we're not going to preach the gospel forever? That's why we have to preach the gospel now. Because today is the day of salvation. But there's coming a day in glory when we're not going to have to repeat, or we're not going to have to preach repentance any longer. Amen? Because we're going to be with Him in glory. But there is something that the Bible says that we're going to do forever, and that is rejoice. We're going to rejoice forever. We may as well start getting used to it now. Second of all, pray without ceasing. That means continuously constantly, unceasingly. And then the third one is give thanks in all. Pantos. That means every, complete, every kind of. In other words, give thanks in every kind of circumstance. And then it says, for this is God's will for you. Some people search for God's will their entire lives. Listen, I spent 17 years exclusively working with teenagers. I worked with a few adults in that time, but I worked with mainly teenagers for many years. And I can tell you from the young and now that I'm working with adults primarily to the older that people are always searching for the will of God. We just found it. You just found the will of God for your life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in every circumstance. If you do those three things, you are fulfilling the will of God for your life. Wow. That's pretty cool. You said, but, well, but I need to know the will of God for this and this. Listen, if we'll do those three things, I believe that he'll show us other things. If we'll walk through those doors, he'll help us walk through other doors. Now, the context of what this is saying about God's will is that this is God's desire. Somebody say desire. Does God always get what he desires? It's not a trick question. 
We are Arminiast. No, he doesn't. God does not always get what he desires. I know that everybody says, well, it's God's will. We, want, we are praying God's will, but how many of you know God doesn't always get what he wants? Maybe I need to take some time to spend on that and teach and preach on that for a little bit, but not today. You can't tell me that God's will is always fulfilled when a child is abused. You can't tell me that's God's will. You can't tell me when, when somebody dies a horrible death that that's God's will. I'm sorry. There's, God doesn't always get what he desires. And yet, he says to us as believers, you can fulfill my will. You can fulfill my desires when you're giving thanks in every circumstance. When I don't understand why things happen. God, I'll praise you and I'll give you thanks. When, when, I, when I can't figure out what's going on, I'm still going to rejoice. Even Job in the Old Testament who did not have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he did not have the gospel, he said, though he slay me, yet will I what? Praise him. When we can rejoice always, we're fulfilling the will of God in our lives. We're fulfilling God's desire. Now, Maybe I'll spend more time on those other two, rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances, maybe next week. But now I want to focus in as we kind of bring this down to praying without ceasing. Have you ever wondered about those words? What does it truly mean to pray without ceasing? How is that possible? I mean, don't you got to sleep at some point? How is it possible to pray continually, to pray always? Well, let's look at this first. Paul uses the same word in conjunction with prayer five times throughout his letters. First, in Romans chapter 1, you can write these down. Romans chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you. Who's you? The Romans, the Roman church. Always in my prayer. So Paul said to the Italians, I'm praying for you always. Asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Have you ever wondered how the Italians got the gospel? Do you ever wonder if it maybe it was that centurion that Jesus touched? Do you ever wonder if maybe it was that or, or maybe it was just Paul going? I don't know. It's interesting. But he said there's a Roman church there. There's a, there's a church in Rome, and I'm praying for you without ceasing, continually mentioning you in my prayers. Then in 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul says this. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Oh, that messes up our theory about sleep. He said, even in the night, I'm praying for you. Who was he talking about? The church at Timothy? No, because <laughs> Timothy was written to who? Come on, church. Who was Timothy written to? 
Timothy. He says directly to Timothy, I'm praying for you day and night. So if you're writing down notes, first of all, one of the people or one of the groups that Paul has on his prayer list is the Italians. Praise God for that. I'm married to one. I'm glad he prayed for the Italians. Second of all, he says, Timothy. So he's got a group, he's got a church, now he's got Timothy individually. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3 says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So now Paul adds the Thessalonians, those in Thessalonica. And then he says in Chapter 2, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it, what it really was, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So he says about the church in Thessalonica, he says, I, I'm praising God specifically that the word of God went among you and you received the word and that that word is working in you. And then the fifth place is in our text. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Now, in 2 Timothy, I want you to see this, that the word, the Greek word there for unceasingly is used as an adjective. In other places, it's used as an adverb. Do we have anybody that went through English in school, right? Anybody? Anybody ever learn anything about language? I know, I don't, I don't want to take us all there, but, but I need you to remember that an adjective describes a noun while an adverb describes what? A verb. An adjective describes a noun while an adverb describes a verb. Constantly remember you in my prayers. In that way, Paul was saying prayers are a concrete, real thing. When you say to somebody, I pray for you, or I'm remembering you in my prayers, you're talking about a real time and space thing. It's something that's real. It's not just thoughts floating in the air. Have you seen that trend lately? Oh, would you just send your thoughts to me? Nobody, please, nobody send your thoughts to me because your thoughts are not as God's thoughts, okay? So I don't want your thoughts. I want your prayers because when you put your prayers to work, you're not putting your own thoughts to work. You're putting God's thoughts to work. Some of you got real quiet there. I'm sorry. Did I shout too much? (laughs) We want prayers, not good thoughts. So you got an out prayer. But prayer is also an action. Constantly praying. Anytime you add an ing in the English, it's a it's action. We're we're constantly praying. So here, if 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 the noun is the time and the space, watch this. Prayer takes up time and space while moving space and time. Let me say that again. 
Prayer takes up time and space while moving space and time. That's where you have the noun and the verb coming together. It's something concrete that we do. And as we do that, it is an action. It is something that is moving. But I want to answer a question first because I know it pops up in people's heads. Why do I know it pops up in people's heads? Because in my study, it popped up. But, Pastor, doesn't Jesus say that repetitious praying is vain? It actually does say that. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Look at verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then this way, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know the prayer. So didn't he just say it there? Don't pray vain, repetitious prayers, vain, meaningless, constant prayers. Didn't he contradict Paul in this? No. First of all, when we look at verse 5, Jesus didn't say we shouldn't pray in church. Yet he said, don't stand in the synagogue praying. He also said we shouldn't pray in a street, but yet that's what the hypocrites did. What was the difference between the two? Right here. It's the matter of the heart. Are we praying so that others will see us pray? Can I tell you one of the most intimidating times that I pray is when I'm asked at the National Day of Prayer, to pray in front of people. And I know that I'm praying in front of a bunch of my brothers and sisters from around the area, but I'm also praying before some people that may or may not be. Why? Because we have all the services there. We have all the firefighters there. We have all the ambulance guys there. We have all the mayors there. And you know what? I don't know all their hearts. I know they're not there necessarily because they want to be there on the National Day of Prayer. They're there because they've been invited to do a a service or do an activity. And so when I get up and pray, can I tell you, I feel a pressure. Why? Because I'm not the only one praying. There's about seven or eight other pastors that are praying before me, before they get to me. And I've been asked to pray a specific thing. And I can tell you it's a little intimidating. And I understand why some people write their prayers down. Again, I don't have a problem with writing prayers down. It's where is it from the heart? Is it going to be from your heart? Or is it going to be because you want to be seen by others? So Jesus didn't say we shouldn't pray in church or in the street. He said we shouldn't be like those who want to be seen by others. Jesus didn't say we shouldn't repeat our prayers. He said we shouldn't pray Empty prayers. Somebody say empty. 
just repeating something that you've heard or that you've learned over time and you just repeat it over and over and over again and and you're thinking about the baseball game or you're thinking about where you're going to the grocery store later or you're thinking about... Anybody know what I'm talking about? He says, don't get into the place of prayer where it just becomes empty rhetoric. Allow the repetitions of your heart to be overtaken by the repetitions of God's heart. He gave us one of the, probably the most repeated prayers in all of time, our Father who art in heaven. So it's obvious Jesus was saying there can be a pattern of prayer. I want you to pray on a regular basis. I want you to pray without ceasing. So how do we do that and not become empty in it? Very quickly, I want to talk to you about three ways or three things of unceasing prayer. It's the subject of prayer, second, the timing of prayer, and third, the goal of prayer. Paul's primary subject of unceasing prayer that we see in these five examples was people. Everybody say people. If you're at home, say people. Nate, I said say people. Yes, I know you're watching. People. What kind of people? Church people and heathen people. Are there any other kind of people? It's a little facetious. How about I say it this way? Those inside the family of God and those outside the family of God. There were prayers going up for both. Jesus even prayed for the people of the city of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13. A bunch of people that were rejecting him and a bunch of people that were about to crucify him. He prayed for them. So you could say he even prayed for his enemies. But the question today is, what do you have on your prayer list? What's on your unceasing prayer list? Is it a new job? Is it a new car? Is it a new house? Is it a new circumstance? Is it about your health? Can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with praying for things, but you won't find much in this Bible about praying for things. Surprising. You'll find a few passages. But even in those passages, many of them point right back to God. Let me take you back to one of the first verses where Paul says, I pray that I may come and see you and impart some gift to you. So what was he praying? He was praying, God, open up the way so that I can get out of prison, so that I can make my way. And it'll probably be about a two month journey to get to the church there and then that I can lay hands on them and pray for them. So was he praying about his travel? Yes, he was. Was he praying about his current circumstance? Yes, he was. But what was he really praying about? He said, I want to be there with you so that I may impart some mutual gift of encouragement, that I may impart the gift of God that he's given to me upon you. So even when you pray for things, are you praying for people in the process? Let's take a new job. Are you simply praying that you'll get a new job so that that you can get more money? What if you begin to focus your prayer for a new job on God? Open the door where I can make the most 
effective use of my time and energy in ministering to people at that new place. God, I feel like my time here with the people that are in my sphere of influence is up. Would you open up doors of opportunity for me to minister the gospel in that new place of employment? Do you see the difference of, God, I need a new job. These people, I don't like them anymore. (laughs) I need more money. What if we changed that? What if we began to focus our prayer and our attention upon God? You've put me on this earth to touch other people's lives. And because of your grace, because of what you've done for me, do you know how many people find Christ at their jobs? Do you know why that is? Because there's people at their jobs who know Christ. Listen. I know that for those of you watching, maybe from around the world or from from another part of the United States, this may not apply. In Texas, for the most part, we've been able to keep our jobs. For the most part. I'm not saying everyone. But we've been very blessed in that, in this area. Very blessed. Even in spite of everything, we've been very blessed. And not just believers, but unbelievers as well have been blessed. It's, It's like that halo effect. And now we've got people moving in here by the droves. Why? Because they want to have a part of that. Yet at the same time, and I'm not just saying numbers, churches in general are at 20%, 30%. What I'm hearing from other pastors, at best 40% of people have returned to church. Yet, the Metroplex, Texas, is booming. People are returning to school in record droves. People are returning to work in record droves. But for some reason, church is the one place that, oh, my goodness. (gasps) Pastor, I'm going to go to this conference, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there. You know, I'm going to go to Walmart because Walmart is a very germ-free environment. And I'm going to go here, and I'm going to breathe on everybody at Sam's, and I'm going to do this. But, you know, church, I just, I just need to be a little more careful. I'm not, I'm not saying this about our people. I'm saying this about the church in general. This is the attitude. So I'm, not, I'm not turning this into a rah-rah, let's get a bunch of people in here. Yes, let's get a bunch of people in here. Come back. Go back to church. If you're watching this and you're making me your pastor right now and because your pastor is not whatever, can I tell you, get back to church. If, at all, if you're going to go to Lowe's, then you can go to church. There I said it. But what am I really saying? When you do go to Lowe's, when you do go back to work, be the light right where you're at. Because you now more than ever may be the only Christian someone sees. Because they're not planning on coming for our Christmas programs this year. They missed our Easter programs. Did they ever? Everybody missed the Easter programs. Did you notice that? So now more than ever, body of Christ, now more than ever, New Day Church, we've got to be 
the people. Ah, I did not mean to turn this into an evangelistic message, but can I tell you, when you see what Joe's doing right now, you can't help but turn everything into evangelism. Okay, where was I? Getting ready to shut down. There's nothing wrong, again, for praying for things. But Jesus told us in Matthew 6 not to worry about things. He said those things will be given to you when you seek first what, church? His kingdom, what he desires. What did Jesus came to seek and save? Our prosperity? Did Jesus come to seek and save a new car for us? A new boat, a new motorcycle, nothing wrong with things. As long as things don't have you. What did Jesus come to seek and save? Come on, church. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Us. Our prayers should be consumed with people. Even when we're praying for other things, let our prayers Be more for people. Here, I've got a seven-day challenge between today and next Sunday. I've got a seven-day challenge for you. Would you pray every day more for people than you do for things? That's my challenge. What if we prayed more for people than we did for things over the next seven days? Let's try it. What have we got to lose? Well, I might lose some time out on asking God for something then just replace it. Ask God for people. Start adding to your list. Instead of what's on your prayer list, who's on your prayer list? Quickly now, the timing of unceasing prayer. I think we've mentioned that. Constant, consistent, without ceasing. But how do you do that? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. It says, praying at all times. There it is. At all times, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Look at that. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let me tell you the simple way to pray in the Spirit or to pray unceasingly. It's impossible in the physical to do what can only be done in conjunction with the Spirit. It's impossible in the physical to do what can only be done in conjunction with the Spirit. We need the Spirit's help to pray at all times. So what do you do? You say in the morning, God, not only do I give you my life today, but I give you my prayers today. Do you know a lot of times when I begin my prayer time, I'll just say, Lord, here's my prayer time. Lord, here's my prayers. Holy Spirit, lead me in my prayers. Because I tell you what, I can't even pray without His Spirit effectively. I can say a bunch of stuff, but not without His Spirit. So how do we pray unceasingly? The best way we pray unceasingly is in the Spirit. In our microwave society, we give up too easily instead of putting our prayers in the slow cooker of God's kingdom. I want you to just write this down because I'm not going to read it. But Luke chapter 18. Write down Luke chapter 18. Go ahead and give me the uh, first couple of verses there. Luke 18. Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
Jesus told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I don't have time to do it, but, but this is the, the prayer of the persistent widow who kept going before the unjust judge. You remember that one? And knocking on his door in the morning, in the night, and bugging him. One version, I think it's the Amplified, says that he finally said, Enough! So that she'll stop wearing me out. One version says, I'm afraid she's going to give me a black eye. <laughs> I don't know what version that is, but I, I thought that was funny. I, for fear that she is going to knock me out. And really, the Greek there is very strong. It's not just, oh, I'm so tired of her coming around. It's like, she is go- she's going to put me in my grave, is what he's saying. You ever had anybody, any women, I mean men or anybody, not just women, that are so persistent? How about a child that is so persistent? If you've got more than one child, you've got one child that is persistent. Am I telling the truth, Pastor Simon? You got that one child that is just going to... Until you finally just give in. That's the whole story. That's what he's saying. Jesus is telling us, don't give up. Keep going. If you got to give the devil a black eye, give the devil a black eye, but just don't give up. Keep going to God and saying, God, I want to see my loved ones saved. I want to see my loved ones come and kneel at the altar. God, would you send somebody to their workplace? Would you move somebody across country? Have you prayed that? Are you that desperate for them to come to know Jesus? Pray, God, would you, if you have to move somebody across country, do you not think that there was a church, that there was a pastor, that there was a a member of of a church in Tanzania saying, God, open up our country? Would you send someone? I don't care if they're from America or Australia. I don't care if they're from Ivory Coast. God, would you send someone to preach the gospel in our nation so that my loved ones can come to know you? Why is Tanzania receiving such an incredible response to the gospel? It's because there were people in Tanzania long before anybody planned a crusade that were praying to God. Thank God, God. Persistent faith and unceasing prayer go hand in hand. I, don't, I tell you, I wrote this down because it's so true. I don't know. As I was writing this message, I was convicted in my heart. Oh, God. God, help me to be a consistent, unceasing prayer warrior. Because in this day and in this hour, praying at lunch and dinner is not going to cut it anymore. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep is not going to cut it anymore. We've got to become a people of persistent prayer. What's the goal of prayer? The goal of unceasing prayer is answered prayer. What does that mean? That means push. Pray until Something happens. Pray until something happens. 
God, I'm going to push through. I'm going to press through. Like the woman with the issue of blood, I'm going to press through the crowd to touch your garment. But I'm not just touching your garment for my own healing. I'm touching your garment for my brother's healing. I'm touching your garment for my sister's healing. I'm touching your garment for my brother who's going through a hard time. I'm touching your garment for my unsaved loved ones. When do we know it's time to give up? When something happens. Then we can say, thank you, Jesus. And I know that we don't always see the answer, but we can know that we have been heard. Can I tell you as I close this, and I promise I'm closing, it's never too late to pray and it's never too early to pray. There's never a wrong time to pray, and it's always the right time to pray. Somebody says, oh, that's an inappropriate time to pray. Never. Tell me one time it's an inappropriate time to pray. If we're to pray without ceasing, it's never the wrong time to pray. Never. So what do we do? We make a list. We pray often. And we pray until something happens. Make a list. Pray often. Pray until something happens. Colossians 4 says, Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too that God will open a door of opportunity for us for the word. To proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned. That I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way that I should. There are dozens and dozens of stories that I have heard of throughout my life. Of missionaries evangelists, men and women of God who are ministering in a difficult situation, who are going through a dark night of the soul season of their life, and people in other nations didn't know what was going on, but they felt the urgency to pray. And when they prayed, they prayed until they knew they'd been heard and something happened. And then later on, sometimes years later, they would coordinate they would go into a church and an intercessor would come up and say, I wrote down in my journal this date, this time, and I was praying for you. And immediately that person says, yes, this is what was going on. We're not always going to get to see the results, but we can know we have done our part. Pray until something happens. Maybe you're in this place right now, you're watching online, and you say, but preacher, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed for, for God or for someone to touch my life, to change my life, to change my circumstance. You've got to stop praying to just anyone and praying to the air, and you've got to begin to pray to the Father who loves you. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And I am not saying that when you surrender your life to Christ that everything is perfect. But what I am saying is you can know that you've been heard. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and are attentive to it. He will reach out to you. And if you are listening to this right now, you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ and know that he will be your good shepherd and guide you the rest of his days.
with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray. If you need Jesus Christ to come into your life, pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I come before you now. I ask you to forgive my sins, wash me clean, and make me new. I want to serve you all the days of my life, but I can't do it without you. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to Father God without you. God, I come through you right now. I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you were raised on the third day. And now you live to intercede for me forever. Jesus, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. Send us a message online. Tell us, and we'll get you a Bible, and we'll help you walk this walk of faith. Would everyone in the building stand with me? If you're online, I want to say thank you for joining us today. We're just going to enter into a few minutes of prayer here. But we want to say thank you for joining us, and we will see you again on Wednesday night. God bless you. Can we just lift up our